Hello, I am Brother Chris, and welcome to One Living Word, where we examine and share spiritual lessons on one or more verses from one chapter of the Bible. Today we're focusing on the topic, I repent, based on our reading of 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 5 to 7. Let us hear what the word of the Lord has to say in this passage of Scripture. But if any have caused grief, he hath not grieved me, but in part, that I may not overcharge you all. Sufficient to such a man is this punishment, which was inflicted of many, so that, contrarywise, ye ought rather to forgive him and comfort him, lest perhaps such a one should be swallowed up by overmuch sorrow. I was touched to the core of my being and I was brought to tears as I reflected on the fact that we serve an awesome God. He knows exactly which message we need to receive every day and he never fails to provide us with the answers to our questions straight from the Bible. I'm just full of joy today. The Bible said that before we call, he will answer. And while we are yet speaking, God will come right by our side. God is really good to us, even when we mess up and do the wrong things. Since God is so merciful to us when we sin against him, why do we find it so difficult to extend mercy to those who have wronged us? My friend, one of the greatest challenges that we have relates to this thing called forgiveness. Over the past couple of months, God has been impressing on my mind to take a deeper look at what forgiveness is really about. Because of my business, I just have not had the time to conduct a deep study. But guess what? I realize God has been pointing me to different stories and situations in the Bible that deal with forgiveness. Therefore, God is using my devotional time today to provide important truths about forgiveness. The Lord has impressed on my mind that unless I learn to forgive those who trespass against me and restore them to the position that they held before their transgression, I will not receive forgiveness for my transgression against God. God also told me that there can be no forgiveness if there is no confession and repentance. So, I cannot forgive someone without having a conversation with the person. I might be able to release my, from my mind the resentment that I have for the person. But in order to forgive someone, the guilty must say that they are sorry. It is only at that point or at that time we can extend forgiveness and let the person realize that we no longer hold any resentment towards them because of their actions. Today, while reading 2 Corinthians chapter 2, the Lord told me to stop at verses 5 to 7 and meditate on what Paul is saying here about forgiveness. So I decided to read the commentary from Matthew Henry to see exactly what this passage of scripture was all about. And then I realized the passage was dealing with how we treat members of the church who have sinned against the church 
and we have to censor them. The instruction Jesus gives in Matthew 18 relates to the steps we should take in how to deal with our brother or sister who wronged us. If we follow these steps and the person decides not to repent at some point, we will have to separate them from the fellowship of the church. We don't separate them from the church because we hate them. We separate them from the church because they refuse to repent of their transgressions. In 2 Corinthians chapter 2, Paul is looking at how we should treat the persons who we have excommunicated from the church, who have repented of their transgression towards us and want to return to the fellowship. Here's what Paul said. But if any have caused grief, he has not grieved me, but in part, that I may not overcharge you all. Sufficient to such a man is this punishment, which was inflicted of many, so that contrarywise we ought rather to forgive him and comfort him, lest perhaps such a one should be swallowed up with overmuch sorrow. Matthew Henry, in his commentary on this passage of scripture, this is what he said. In these verses, the apostle treats concerning incestuous persons who have been excommunicated, which seem to be one principal cause of his writing to, um, to this, of this epistle. Here observe, one, he tells them that the crime of that person have grieved him in part, and that he was grieved also with a part of them, who, notwithstanding their, their scandal, have been found among them, were puffed up, and had not mourned. However, he was unwilling to lay too heavy a charge upon the whole church, especially seeing they had cleared themselves in that matter by observing the directions he had formerly given to them. Number two, he tells them that the punishment which has been inflicted upon this offender was sufficient. The desired effect was obtained for the man was humbled and they had shown the proof of their obedience to his directions. Number three, he therefore directs them with all speed to restore the excommunicated person or to receive him again to their communion. This is expressed several ways. He beseeches them to forgive them, that is, to release him from church censor, for they could not remit the guilt or offense against God, and also to comfort him. For in many cases, the comfort of penitence depends upon their reconciliation, not only with God, but with men also, whom they have scandalized and injured. They must also confirm their love to him. That is, they should show that their reproof and senses proceeded from love to this person as well as hatred to his sins and that their design was to reform not to ruin him or thus if his fall had weakened their love to him that they could not take such satisfaction in him as formerly yet know that he was recovered by repentance they must renew and confirm their love to him number four he uses several weighty arguments to persuade them to do this. 
the case of the penitent called for this, for he was in danger of being swallowed up with overmuch sorrow. He was so sensible of his fault and so much afflicted under his punishment that he was in danger of falling into despair. When sorrow is excessive, it does hurt. And even sorrow for sin is too great when it, when it unfits for other duties and drives men to despair. End of quote. Today, God is reminding us that while we have a duty to obey his command in the way we treat with someone who had done us wrong and refused to repent, he's also saying that once a person repents, we have a duty to not only forgive them, but to restore them to the fellowship that we ease so that we can ease the pain of their guilt. When dealing with those who have done us wrong, we must always ask the question, what would Jesus do? The Bible is very clear that the only condition to receive forgiveness from God is confession. Once we confess our sins, God will forgive us. God expects the same from us who have been recreated in the image of God. If we find it difficult to restore the penitent offender to the same position they had before their offense, do we really think that God will not restore us to the same position that we once held with him before the offense? I pray that each of us will allow the Holy Spirit to take full control of every area of our lives so that God can show us how to forgive those who have trespassed against us. This way, the resentment that exists in our hearts because of their offense can be removed. Only God can help us to achieve this in a way that is consistent with His will. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, what a powerful message you gave to us today. Restoration. I repent. Lord, help us to restore all those who ask for restoration, who have confessed their sins. Help us, Lord, to take this counsel seriously. And allow us, Lord, to do your will, we pray, through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Have a blessed and Holy Spirit-filled day.